appreciate it. Hey, could I just, uh, if, could I, Pastor Tim, can you get me that baptism slide just for a second? I just want to say, I was looking at this. Look at that. Your church does baptism by cannonball. <laughs> that is awesome. Man, I want to be part of that. Thank you guys for that. You can put up that other slide. My name is Ben Rainey. I serve as the secretary treasurer of the Potomac Ministry Network. And uh, doesn't that sound exciting? Secretary treasurer. I know the honest ones in the room. When they heard that, they went, no, that does not sound exciting. Come on, get you out of the bed in the morning. Lord, I'm, I'm giving my life to serve you. What, how can I serve you? Be the secretary treasurer. <laughs> All right. What that means is I help ministers who are identifying a calling on their life. They're getting uh, educated. They're getting trained. They're getting mentored. They're getting uh, endorsed by the presbytery through a process we call credentialing. And the Assemblies of God, our credentials are one-year credentials. Uh, every year, our ministers have to reapply to renew their credentials. So when Pastor Josh says, I'm kind of a boss for him, what that means is if I have any problems, it's within 12 months, I'm going to deal with it, all right? And, uh, but no, Pastor Josh and Amy are, are just special friends. Years ago, my sister Ariel uh, Rainey, is, who is a missionary to Spain and your church supports uh, on a regular basis, uh, she told me, uh, Ben, you need to connect with the Rendulics. Uh, because they've got a great ministry they're doing in Chestertown. And so I've, I've intentionally tried at, uh, at network events to connect with them over the years. This church has been a blessing to our network. 363 churches, 1,100 ministers across Maryland, Virginia, D.C., and half of West Virginia. The better half, I usually say, <laughs> unless I'm there, because you never know who's packing in West Virginia. <laughs> so I've got to be careful with that. But your church also participates in a, a campaign called Own It, Our Whole Neighborhood, which is a, an effort for our churches to, to partner together to do something, to take on new initiatives for the work of the gospel around our region. Because of your support, we've been able to give grants over the last year to the Potomac School of Leadership. This is a, a group of students, in fact, from your church, Noah Bachmiller has come out to our headquarters and is part... Oh, yeah. He, uh, he has come out. He's part of that. I, would, I just was teaching a personal finance uh, teaching on Thursday and got to interact with Noah a little bit. And uh, so we appreciate, we appreciate you participating and own it. We appreciate you sending Noah. You also sent Aaron Nicholson. Uh, and those, anybody remember Aaron Nicholson? Or we're going to have an altar call for Aaron Nicholson. <laughs> just a little while. No, he's a, great, uh, he's a great friend, great leader. We're thankful that he's part of our, uh, of our team out there at the headquarters. And uh, you, you th listen, you may not know it, but you have some of the best here. I, I oversee a lot of churches and a lot of ministers, and I'm telling you that Pastor Josh is one of the best. The ministry that you have here <laughs> is significant. You, you, have, you have impact as a church farther than probably you realize. I was an interim pastor in Clinton, Maryland uh, years ago, and while I was there, we had a business meeting. I was only there five, six months. We had a business meeting, 
where a member who had retired and moved to Florida came back for the business meeting. And I remember him standing up and saying, I have family out in Chestertown, Maryland, and the church just changed their name to Hope Fellowship because they want people to know about the hope of Jesus. I think we should change the name of this church to Hope Fellowship. So you guys have further reaching impact than probably you even realize. Uh, they did not change the name of their church yet. Well, here we are. It's February already. Already. One-twelfth of the year is already gone, right? Do you think in fractions like that? You would if you were secretary treasurer. <laughs> one-twelfth of the year is gone. We've been through kind of the last several weeks uh, kind of resetting, right? Your resolutions carefully prepared and written or thought about or whatever are, are neatly in order now for you to try again next year, right? Uh, so you got that all going for you. You got the reset going on. I, uh, I worked out uh, faithfully at, at my gym in Warrington, uh, Planet Fitness, until last fall. I was taking a class in uh, advanced accounting. It was just uh, taking up a little more time than I had. And so, thankfully, my physique can handle taking a couple months off the gym. And so I made room for others as the New Year's resolutions came through. And so uh, we're, we're in February now, so I'm almost there. I'm almost ready to get back into it, let the newbies have, you know, work through it, give up on all that stuff. And so, uh, so I'm just about ready to go there. But, but as I've been thinking about these times, I've been thinking that I, God has created us to see the world this way. He's created us to see seasons that, that have planting and growing and harvesting and resting and he's given us these times to kind of turn around. My ministry has me all over, but I, today I have to be alone, unfortunately. My wife and children are back in Warrington involved in ministry. Corey is my wife there. I have a 17, a 15, and a 12-year-old, and, uh, and God is good. I'm so thankful I miss them, but God is good and, and, and faithful uh, in, in the life of my family. They're in ministry today and, and preparing for fine arts uh, rehearsal today and that kind of thing, but I, I miss them. But right now, all of us are kind of uh, in the, getting in the flow right now. You had your reset time, and you're getting in the flow. And, and as I've been praying about it. I felt like the Lord has, has put kind of a message on my heart that I wanted to share with you from the book of Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, depending on your Bible, the table of contents may list, list it differently. Song of Songs is the Hebrew term for this book. And what, it, what it's meant to communicate is this collection of poetry is like the finest of the fine. It's, it's, it's up there. And so uh, I, I've kind of adopted grabbing that, that title here, Song of Songs, chapter 5, verses 2 through 8, because I believe that, that the church is being called to an awakening. Pastor Frank Potter, our superintendent, he said something recently that kind of just felt like rung true for me, that that revival happens in the pulpit, but awakening happens in the pew. And that, that for so many years, we, we have prayed and desired revival. And I'm thankful for the work of revival. But I believe that we have a Savior who is looking for an awakening. I believe we have the Spirit released to the church to call us to awaken, that our heart and our soul would be awakened to his presence so that we can enjoy him, so that we can entreat him, so that we can go after him. And those of us who go after him know the evidences we encounter in pursuit of him. This book, uh, Song of Solomon, kind of interesting book to, to preach from. I'm sure Pastor Josh has preached verse by verse 
through this book of the Bible very thoroughly uh, for you. Here, here's what I know. When I preach out of Song of Solomon and I mention that, like the people who have actually read the Bible, they like start to lean in and think a little bit like, where is this going? Uh, because Song of Solomon a little awkward, all right? Can we just uh, put that out there for a moment? Song of Solomon is a little awkward. As a responsible father, I have the responsibility of talking to my children about parts of life that are just a little awkward but are no less real. Things about love and passion that they are going to encounter. As a responsible father, I'm, I'm responsible to talk to them now, those conversations usually are not long. <laughs> They're usually kind of brief, planned out, right? My children kind of can't wait until they're over. I can't wait until they're over, right? But I'm a responsible father, and so I have to speak to them about those kinds of things, right? Aren't we thankful for a heavenly father who said, hey, in, in the... In the instruction manual of life, in, in my holy word, I'm going to make sure to give you this part so that we talk about this stuff too. We don't just let you figure it out on your own. I'm actually going to show you what love looks like between two people. I'm going to show you what passion looks like between two people. This is part of the creation of God, that people would come together and be passionate. And God is showing us that because of the way He cares for us the way that he is jealous for our soul, the way that he wants to come close to us and have us come close to him. Now, I can't unpack all that happens in Song of Solomon, but I believe the point of this passage we're going to get to is going to stir our heart. This love poem, this collection of poems expressing the intimate relation between the lover and the beloved. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Song of Songs, chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 2 through 8. They'll be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible or you can turn on a phone or whatever, but I'd like you to follow along. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. All right, pause just for a moment. It is February. You're, men, you are under two weeks now <laughs> until Valentine's Day. All right, I'm just putting you on notice. Get your cards early. Don't be one of the ones picking through the leftovers. All right, get it early. Think about what you're going to write to her. Use some biblical language, right? I just little, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. Now, if you go with my sister, that might get a little awkward. That's probably, probably something cultural happening there. We don't have time to get into that right now. My beloved is knocking, open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. I have taken off my robe, this is her thoughts, I have taken off my robe, must I put it on again? I have washed my feet, must I soil them again? My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening, my heart began to pound for him, I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me. They bruised me. They took away my cloak those watchmen of the walls. 
Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my beloved, what will you tell him? Tell him, I am faint with love. Would you pray with me for a moment? Lord, I pray here in the next few minutes as we look at this passage between one who is knocking at the gate and one who is hearing the call, I pray, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, help us to hear your voice and help us to respond in Christ's name. Amen. I slept, but my heart was awake. Isn't it funny? I mean, that's very poetic, isn't it? But isn't it funny how kind of we live our lives that way? There's like all these things we care about. Like, I, I deeply care about that. What are you doing about it? Nothing, but I do deeply care. But like, right? Well, my heart's awake about it. My body's asleep. I'm not really doing anything about it, but, I, but I, like, I, like it warms. It's warm right here for this, right? This is the experience that she's having as she's laying in her bed, and her, her beloved comes and, and begins to knock at the gate. He begins to call to her, hey, let me in. Let my dove, my flawless one. Let me in to the courtyard. He's, he's outside a, a gate here in the street. And he's, he's trying to get into the courtyard and then visit with her. It's, it's nighttime now. She's already gotten in bed. And he begins to call. And she, she hears him. And this is like, if you don't know that the Bible is the real, real, here it is. Do I have to put my robe back on to go meet up with his joker who showed up this late and didn't tell me he was coming? Do I have to soil my feet? Now listen, they don't have indoor plumbing, right? And she doesn't live in a pigsty. And so to get in bed at night after she has walked around all day in open-toed sandals, in streets that aren't paved, with dust and dirt, no sweepers, you know, all that kind of stuff, she, she goes to her bed. And look, I've, I've learned this about women. 20-plus years married, women have a process for getting in bed and for getting out of bed for just about everything else. It's like a process. I see a reflection of myself right now, a 12-year-old boy that lives in my house. And uh, I mean, as far as he's concerned, he could drop into bed in the clothes that he is wearing from exhaustion of play and then wake up in the morning, problem solved, he's already wearing clothes. Right, this is kind of how men tend to work. Women, a whole different thing. A lot more goes into that process. I have learned that in my in my married life, uh, it does not usually go well for me if I end up in the bed before my wife gets to the bed at night. Right, so like I'm like done for the day. I've got everything tied up. Whatever, I go lay in the bed. You know, and I'm just laying there. You know, she walks in and I'm. And she gives me a look, and she's like, it must be nice. <laughs> it is nice. I like this bed. <laughs> it's very comfortable. I've had to learn, like, she has a, because why? She's got to get the kids in bed. She's got to have the counter clear. She's got to have, like, all the, like, undo, do all the stuff, right? So I just, like, I just wander around the house. Make it look like I'm doing something. <laughs> Sometimes I'm really tired. I'm like, please, what else do I have to do? Oh, I'm just vacuum it, babe. Just you go ahead. You go ahead. I got this. It's a process for her. She's singing through it. This woman here in Song of Songs 5, it's a process for her. I hear him calling. Do I really have to get back up and put my robe on? 
Do I really have to get my feet? I sat on the edge of my bed with a basin of water, and I carefully washed each foot one by one to put it up into this bed so that my bed is not dirty. Do I really want to go get dirty on my feet and have to do all that again? And then she hears, (laughs) I like this guy. Then she hears her beloved. He reaches through the latch. She can hear him jiggling the lock, right? He's trying to let himself in. Hey, let me in. No no action because she's singing about her robes and feet. And he's like, oh, let me see if I can get in. So he's trying to open the thing. And now she's up. Now she's going. Verse 5, she arises. She goes to open for her beloved. She grabs the handle of the gate. She feels the oil that was there on the bolt of the door. It's, it smells like myrrh. She can, she can smell his cologne that was just washed on his hand. And, and he, she can get it on that, that handle that he had just reached through trying to open. And she opens the gate. And he's gone. My heart sank at his departure. Man, what a beautiful story of love and passion. We, we want to be together. I get over my, my things that are holding me back. But man, that delay is just enough for his departure. That delay is enough for his departure. And when she gets there, he's gone. And then, it, man, this takes a sad turn. Because then the night watchman, the, the, the community patrol that were patrolling the streets... They found a woman in the street after dark, usually not up to any good, and, and they, they kind of rough her up about it. And she says, if you find him, tell him, I'm faint with love. I think that the Bible teaches us from Hebrews 11 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. But then it tells us about that faith, right? Because we must believe that he is, right? Believe, and then what? He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, those who are pursuing him. It's not my my heart's awake, my body's asleep. No, it's my heart is awake and my body is awake. I want to get to the Lord. I want to listen to what he's doing. I don't want to hold back. I don't want to lay back. I want to get to him. And so if we are people who believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and he's standing at the gate calling to us, I have to ask the question, how cozy is your bed? How cozy is your bed? I mean, she is cozy. And her delay is going to result in his departure. Rather than getting there while he's knocking, she is thinking through all of this delay. Now, I, I, I look at this and I say, how cozy is your bed? And, and the reality is, I mean, I... I don't mind a cozy bed. I already told you that, right? I, uh, I make the bed in our household. And uh, somebody just laughed because I said I, <laughs> that was not even a joke yet. Okay. I make the bed in our household. That's what I do. I make the bed. Somebody, okay, somebody give me an amen on that. All right. I have an altar call for men to make the bed. All right. I'm not an HVAC mechanic. I don't get all of that. Thank God for HVAC mechanics. Uh, But my bedroom is colder in the winter than every other room in the house. And uh, and I can't figure that out, but my wife did. She figured out that if she got an electric blanket, she could mitigate it, right? And so I figured out that if I could get a a smart plug, I could mitigate her mitigation. (laughs) 
So, so we have this smart plug. It turns on the, warm of the, the blanket to warm up the bed just before she comes to bed. It turns off just after she has fallen asleep. It turns back on again just before she's about to wake up. And then it turns off after she leaves. It's awesome. It's awesome. And it, it controls our electric bill. Anyway, here's the problem. I don't like to sleep hot. Uh, I, I don't like to sleep hot. And so, um, so I, I made the bed by putting that blanket on her half of the bed, and it, it hung down to the floor. And, uh, and that was fine, because I don't like to sleep hot. That was fine for a while. And I got in bed on a really cold night. <laughs> and Lefty, Lefty found himself under the corner of that blanket. And he liked it. <laughs> and it seems like within a night or two, Righty was finding his way over under that side just when I got in the bed, okay, because I don't like to sleep hot. And then incrementally, I watched myself make the bed as that blanket crept. Just a couple weeks ago, I was standing right at the foot of the bed, and I realized it was now an equal distribution. I don't like to sleep hot. But it doesn't feel bad to get in on a cold night. But then I just put the blankets off. I sleep the rest of the night. Then in the morning when I'm getting a little cool, waking up, a little chilly, pull the blankets back on. Oh, it feels nice. How cozy is our bed? Not our physical bed that we sleep in at night, but the life that we have for ourselves. The ways in which in our life we have found comfort to surround ourselves with so that we can kind of be at peace and at rest. And we find ways uh, of fitting in things that continue to make us more and more comfortable. We're creatures this way. We, we gather into our nests things that are going to make us more comfortable. And I wonder, have we made our bed so cozy that when the, beloved, the lover of our soul shows up at the gate knocking and calls to us, we say, mm, do I really have to put my robe back on? I know, I know the Lord wants me to obey. I know He's calling me to Himself. But man, it, it doesn't feel too bad right here where I am. I know he's calling me to something deeper in him, some, some next step of faithfulness as he has been proving his faithfulness to me and he invites my faithfulness to him. I know that he's calling me a step further, but man, it's really rather comfortable right here. I don't know if I want to go through all that I will have to go through to obey him. I don't know if I'm ready to leave the comfort that I now rest in in order to be in his presence. You see, when we get to a place where we're saying to the Lord, just five more minutes. Do we have any five more minute mom people in here? Get up for school, five more minutes, mom. Just five more minutes. When we're telling God, just five more minutes. Just let me rest right here. Our delay will find his departure. This is why the New Testament Christians encouraged each other in the baptism practice by singing this hymn. It's recorded for us in Ephesians 5.14. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We are people in Christ who respond to Him. We are not people who lay back and, and rest and sleep. We are people who rise up and let His light shine on us. And so 
if we are willing to hear his voice and get out of the comfort of our life, the comfort of our bed, then we must be people who get to the gate. Somebody say, get to the gate. We've got to be people who get to the gate. She's laying in her bed while he's knocking at the gate. He's, he's jiggling the lock. He's saying, let me in. And she delays her way to the gate. See, I believe the Lord is speaking to us. I, I believe he's calling to us as the church. And he's asking us to awaken. He's asking us to respond to him. He's calling us out of our slumber. And we will not be people satisfied with, with the remnant of his presence. Think about that. She gets to the gate and what's there? The remnants of his presence. She heard his voice. She heard him call. It's like the remnant of his presence there, the piece of it. She gets there and she finds the residue of his presence, right? The residue of that oil on her fingertips, but out of reach. She finds the reduction of his presence, the aroma, but not the affection. Here's the challenge, is that I think the, the church too often settles for, for these pieces, for the, the remnants and the residue and the reduction. I, I've seen it, and I'm not here to accuse you of this. You've probably got this all taken care of. I know pastors have been preaching about the favor of God, and you're walking in the favor of God, asking for more of his favor. I know that the church doesn't, this church may not get into this, but it, but it might if it's like other churches, other churches that find themselves satisfied with the residue of the past presence. I see it in, in banners that hang on the wall. I see it in photographs and, and memorial stones. I, I see it in, 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 in documents that have been adopted in business meetings, like the business meeting you guys have coming up, all right? I see it right there memorialized. The presence of God was here. I get, to, I get to my office the other day, I, I'm walking in, we go in the front glass door and then there's like a, just a little mudroom area and there's a second glass door and, and so I, I grab that door and as I'm just standing in that little space, I can smell that Pastor Frank is there because I can smell his cologne. I know it's a little weird, all right, <laughs> stick with me. I can smell that he's there. Now, it's, not, it's not often that Pastor Frank arrives at the office before me. I'm kind of an earlier, early person. But he was there that day. And, I mean, I just knew as soon as I stepped in, Pastor Frank's here. And I got this nice, like, nice warm feeling. I wasn't even going to go down to his office or talk to him. I wasn't going to see him for a couple hours. But it was just nice to know that he was around. Scientists tell us that our olfactory system, our smelling system... Uh, is linked to our memories and that you smell a certain smell, man, it can take you places back. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah. I see this woman. Oh, I can smell his cologne. Oh, he smells so nice. Oh, that gives me a warm feeling. But he's not here. The aroma, but not the affection. My wife got COVID in uh, 2020, November of 2020. Anybody sick of COVID sermons? I'm sick of preaching COVID sermons, all right? But listen, she, she got COVID in 2020, and she lost her sense of smell. And our marriage was never better. Um, <laughs> and, like, it, it was good. And then this last November, 
she looked at me and she said, what did you eat? <laughs> and I suddenly realized he was a healer then, he is a healer now. And her sense of smell was coming back. Man, I don't want to be a person who experiences the residue or the reduction of his presence. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for those things. I'm thankful for the way that sometimes we'll be in the presence of God and a song will be introduced. And man, it kind of becomes a rallying cry for a church, doesn't it? Sometimes you start singing, it becomes like an anthem for the church. That's awesome. Why? Because of the presence of God. But when we become satisfied with remembering the presence of God rather than welcoming the presence of God, then we have fallen behind what he wants. We're comfortable in our bits. And he's saying, I want a church that awakens. And I don't say this just because of a passage from Song of Songs chapter 5. I say it because when I was reading this passage, it reminded me of another part of the scripture where Jesus himself wrote a letter to a church in a town called Laodicea. It's in the book of Revelation chapter 3 where he writes to that church and he says, look, I know you and I know your deeds and I'm, I'm calling out to you. Will you listen to me? He, he says to them, I, I, I know your deeds. Here's the thing. You, you, you could either be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm ready to spit you out of my mouth. Now, I've heard this. I've heard this taught by others, and uh, it's just interesting. He's trying to speak to them about things they would know. Some theologians believe he's referring to uh, this natural phenomenon in a town six miles north called Hierapolis, where they had natural hot springs and used them therapeutically. People would go and bathe in the hot springs. And then south of, south of Laodicea was a, a town called Colossae, and it was known for its cold springs. It's natural cold springs. And I've heard people kind of say that, that maybe that water was piped together into the city as the water source uh, for Laodicea. I don't know that archaeology bears that out. But, but, but the idea would be like you have the hot on this end and the cold on this end. You bring it together lukewarm. And, and the Lord says, I'm going to spew that out of my mouth. And I've also heard it taught that that, that means kind of in this reflective way that you're either like on fire for God, like passionate with God up at the altar and all of the things, or you're like an apathetic, agnostic, atheist, you're cold. Like, I would rather you, I'd rather you be one or the other, right? As though Jesus' messages, I'd rather you be an agnostic atheist, you know, than, than to be a struggling Christian. Like, I, I don't think that's what he's really trying to communicate. I think what he's trying to communicate is this. At its source, the water is hot, at its source, the water is cold. But the farther it gets away from its source, the less it is what it's supposed to be. Some of you are hot. Some of you are cold. Awesome. But the ones of you that have left your source, these are the ones that I'm calling back and saying, look, you, you, can't, you can't hang out here. You can't hang out cozy in your bed. I'm calling to you. Would you let me in? These people, they had it together, they thought. They had wealth. They, they had nice things. They were buying gold. They had enough money to buy gold. And Jesus says to them, the problem is you don't realize how wretched and pitiful and poor and blind you are. 
But if you'll come to me, then I can clothe you. If you'll come to me, I'll give you wealth that will last. If you come to me, I will cover what he calls their shameful nakedness. You're laying in your bed wondering, do I have to put my robe on again? Do I have to get my... You don't realize you're already dirty. You don't realize how tattered that robe is. But if you'll come and let me in, I will cover your nakedness. I will clothe you and give you what you need. And he wraps it up here in verse 20 where he says this. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You see, Jesus is the lover at the gate. Jesus is the one calling out, will you let me in? He is the one whose aroma and presence is there. And he is saying, let me in. Don't don't delay. And don't find a departure. But awaken. And come close. I heard heard this story shared by George Wood, former general superintendent of the Assemblies of God several years ago. I think I'm relating it the way he told it. And that is to say this, that he was on a tour of Israel there in, in a town called Migdal. Uh, one of our ministers from Potomac, Ellen Blackwell, had a vision from God to set up a, a study center in a home that, that ministers would be able to come and study the Holy Land, walk where Jesus walked, see the places of the Bible and, and understand it better. And, and, and George Wood was named as a trustee of that organization. And so on the day of the tour, he, he'd kind of seen the things around there uh, on other tours he had been on. He decided to slip away for the day, go over to Migdal, and visit the center to see the progress that was being made on its, on its build-out. And so he went. It was last-minute decision, unannounced, but he went and he knocked on the door. And the caretaker of the property came and, and opened the door. Can I help you? Yeah, I, I, my name is George Wood, and I wondered if I could just take a look at the center and see how you guys are, are making progress on putting it together. And the caretaker said, well, I'm very sorry, but the manager of the home is not home right now. And you didn't have an appointment. We weren't expecting you. So if you'll go make an appointment, I'm sure that we would be glad to have you. And he said, well, um, I, I understand that. Uh, I'm George Wood. I'm the superintendent of the Assemblies of God. And uh, I'm just in town for today on a Holy Land tour. But I wondered if I could just come in. I know it's last minute, but could I just for a few minutes just step in and see the progress going on here? And the caretaker said, oh, I'm sorry, but the manager of the house is not here. And you didn't have an appointment. So if you'll go make an appointment, we'd be glad to have you. And he said, "Um, I see I am Dr. George Wood, the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God USA, and uh, I'm a trustee of this organization. So could I just step in for a few minutes? And the caretaker said, oh, I'm sorry, the manager is not here, and you didn't have an appointment. But if you'll make an appointment, we'll be glad to have you. Thank you very much, sir, and began to close the door, at which point He stuck his foot in the door and he reached his hand through the jam and said, that is my portrait hanging right there on the wall. 
And as he shared that story, he then said, I wonder how many churches have his picture hanging on the wall, but when Jesus comes knocking, don't have time because he didn't have an appointment. Friends, are we listening to the voice of God? Are our hearts open so that we not delay when he calls to us? Are we a church awakened at the sound of his voice and hearing him knock? Are we people who get to the gate? I pray that we will be. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I pray for this congregation, each one here, each one joining online. I pray, Lord, that that your presence would be such Lord, that we would be able to hear your spirit speaking to our hearts. What are you calling us to do, Lord? In what way are you calling us to step out? In what way are you calling us to yourself? Lord, we desire your presence. We need it, Lord. Because if we are to accomplish anything in our life, if we are to be people of faith, we have to not only believe in you, but but actually diligently seek you. So, Lord, would you help us? God, I pray right now. Lord, that you would be speaking in ways that my words could never in the hearts of people to say, this part of your life, this is what I'm asking for. Will you let me into this part of your life? Parts of your soul that have yet to be evangelized, to know the truth of the gospel, that Jesus' grace wants to wash you, wants to make you holy, wants to make you right. Will you open the gate to that part of your life to let God's presence come in? Lord, I pray for this congregation. I pray, Lord, for hearts open to you to say, Lord, here's my my life. Awaken me to your voice. Awaken me to obedience. Awaken me to pursue you. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to take a moment to say, are you here and say, Pastor Ben, I feel like God is speaking to me. there's something I need to do to respond to him. He, he's, he's pointing at some things in my life that I just want to surrender to God right now. I don't want to walk out carrying them right now in front, of, in front of the Lord. I want to say, Lord, I'm getting to the gate. I'm coming to you. I'm letting you move in my life. If that's you, would you lift up your hand and look up at me? I just want to pray for you. Yeah. You have hands are going up right now. Other people, yes. People are saying, God, here's my life. I mean, we've been hearing about favor, the favor of God, but right now people are saying, God, I don't just want to hear about your favor as a blessing. I want to pursue you. I want to come after you. I want to be in a place where I don't just experience the remnant of your presence, the residue of your presence. I don't just have a reduction of your presence. I have the presence of God in my life. Lord, with these who have lifted their hands, I pray in Jesus' name, would you begin to move in their life, Lord? Strengthen their hearts to respond to you. What is their yes for you right now, God? What is their yes? What are you asking for? And what is their yes to say yes to you and get to the gate? Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, I pray for this congregation, Lord. I know the work that lies ahead of them in some part. I know you have plans for this church, the ministry of this church in this community, souls that are going to be set free and find freedom in Christ. Lord, the work here is precious to you. Oh, for an awakened church to walk in your presence. It would change this world. And I thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. 
want to thank you for letting me share with you this morning. Pastor Josh about to come to close the service. I know there'll be time to pray. If you feel like the Lord is stirring you, man, don't, don't leave this house until you've gotten to the gate. And if that means coming to an altar to say, God, here's my life. I'm opening it up to you. Let us meet you here and pray with you. Thank you. And God bless. I'm going to ask our prayer partners, would you guys come? Would you go ahead and get in place? And if you need prayer this morning, whether it be for this message or something else in your life, we would love to pray with you. Maybe you just want to come and seek the Lord for a moment before you leave. You're welcome to do that. Find a place to pray. You know, I was thinking as, as Pastor Ben was preaching, I was just drawn to the scripture verse, uh, John 15. I think most of us know that passage. I am the vine. You are the branches. And listen to what Jesus says. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And I think most of us know that Jesus loves us. Now listen to this next part. Now remain in my love. Well, how do you do that? If you keep my commands. You've got to get to the gate. It's obedience, right? If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I just have this thought as we close. Is it possible that we lack joy in our relationship with God because we haven't gotten to the gate? Because Jesus says that's how you remain in my love. Thank you, Pastor Ben, for sharing that word that sticks in your mind this week I gotta get to the gate I, I can't worry about being comfortable I can't worry about what other people think I need to get to the gate because let me tell you something one of the reasons we pray your kingdom come your will be done is because God's will is not always done and there's things that we could miss that God wants to do in this season of our life if we delay getting to the gate amen, amen. would you stand with me Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. Lord, we thank you for the challenge of your word this morning, Father. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus as we leave this place that, Lord, it would be so rooted in our spirit this week that we would, when we wake up, we would think, i got to get to the gate. That when you challenge us this week by your Holy Spirit, that we would think, i got to get to the gate. That we would not just settle for, for knowing about you, but we would we would be intent on seeking you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would root that in our spirit strong this week in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for this challenge. May we be a church that gets to the gate. May this be a place, Lord, that you could use in mighty ways. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we all said together, amen and amen. Listen, next week we're going to start a brand new series. If you don't want to miss it, you say, what is it? Well, that's for me to, to know and for you to find out. So you have to come back next week. Listen, if you need prayer, you want to find a place to pray, you want somebody to pray with you, come on up, we'll pray with you. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.